Welcome to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. This week's message is The Good Life, Part 5, Hunger and Thirst for Righteousness, recorded Sunday, February 4th, 2024. If you have a story about how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending an email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. Now here's Parker with today's message. We're in a series called The Good Life. And we've been talking about the blessings that Jesus says will come to our lives. And it's been pretty challenging, honestly. So far, we've covered being poor in spirit, mourning, meekness, seemingly things to be avoided. But Jesus tells us and encourages us to embrace them as blessings. Today, Jesus is telling us, you want to be blessed? You want to receive all the promises of God? Then hunger and thirst for righteousness, and you'll be filled. I'm going to read a chunk of our scripture to get everybody caught up. And when we get to today's, I'm going to slow it down and I want you to read with me, okay? It's going to be great. I'll let you know it's coming. Don't worry about it. Matthew chapter 5. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Okay, here's today's. This is when you're with me. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Beautiful, good job. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil things against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. What would it even look like in your life if all the longings of your heart were filled? What would your life be like? Righteousness, things made right. Isn't it just so satisfying when something's made right? Just a little bit of justice? My mom, you know, I tell a lot of stories about my mom and dad, okay? But here's the deal. You got to be careful when you're praying for your kids and asking God they follow Jesus and all that kind of stuff because they might become preachers and tell the world everything about you. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so she's asking for it. That's all I'm saying. She was asking for it. My mom... She's just a good old Blue Hill, Nebraska, dry land farm girl. And she would come home from work when I was a kid, from working in the service industry of various kinds, and dealing with what she called, on a daily basis, the American public. And any of you who have worked the service industry or are in the service industry know exactly, I see some nodding heads, know exactly what she's talking about. Just every kind of personality under the sun, and nine out of ten of them just want to chew on your face, you know? <laughs> like they t- You didn't create their problems. They're going to chew on your face anyway. So she would come home from that. She would make dinner, clean up, sit down, and then she'd put on a Steven Seagal movie just to watch some butts get kicked, you know what I mean? <laughs> some Walker, Texas Ranger, just to see some roundhouse kicks to the face, and she'd be fine for the evening. She got her justice, you know what I mean? Whatever the Venn diagram of Louis L'Amour, Steven Seagal, and the humility of Christ is, that's where my mom is. (laughs) That's her, okay? It feels good when things are made right. It feels good. Happy are those, or how good is life for those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, because they're going to be filled. They're going to be satisfied. 
They're going to be content. The simplest way to understand righteousness for today's purposes. Now, you could do a word study on righteousness. You could look all through the Bible. You see this word. It's fascinating. For today's purposes, I want you to imagine a relationship in your life that's right. It's not perfect, but it's right. What did that take? What would that take to make a relationship right? Well, it would take communication. It would take listening to each other, loving each other, trusting each other serving one another, things like that. Righteousness comes down to this, a right relationship with God. Righteousness comes down to a right relationship with God. And a list of all those things that I was just talking about, communication, trusting each other, loving each other, serving each other, talking to one another, being around each other, stuff like that. Hunger and thirst for a right relationship with God and just watch him make things right in your world. And Jesus promises that you'll be filled. But the problem is that we hunger and thirst for all sorts of things that don't fill us. Money. Attention. Status. Retirement. Cars. Fame. Comfort. Whatever. And I don't need to preach on this very long. You know that we hunger and thirst for these things and you have firsthand experience that they don't fill you. They don't totally can make you content. And we're hungry and thirsty for all sorts of things that don't fill us. We try all the life hacks in the world, and we're still anxious. We do everything we can to get ahead in our career, but we're liars. We spend all our money and money that we don't even have trying to impress people that don't even know us, and we're in a prison of debt. We hunger and thirst for all these things that don't fill us. They don't have any return. They don't make us satisfied. The list is long of people who have it all and then turn back to us who don't have it all and say that having it all isn't it either. This is a quote from Jim Carrey. I'll never forget it. He says this, I hope everybody could get rich and famous and will have everything they ever dreamed of so they will know that it's not the answer. You hunger and thirst for all sorts of things that won't fill you. It's like mental, spiritual, emotional junk food. It's like a bag of Doritos. Have you ever noticed there's, a, there's not a bag of Doritos that you can't finish? <laughs> you just eat and eat, and you're never full. You can eat the whole dang bag, and you're never feeling full. It's like that. It's like that. That's the stuff that I'm talking about. You never feel full. And it drains us of the promises of God and the blessings that he has for us. And we wander the world starving for something real. It's really just the prodigal son story over and over again. We take our inheritance and our blessing from our father and we wander into the world trying to get all the stuff that it promises will fill us. And then in the process, we lose everything and then we feel empty and then to the point of starving to death. And we just go through that cycle over and over and over and over again. I want a life that's different than that. I hope you want a life that's different than that. Different than just going from junk food to junk food, hoping that someday you'll be filled, someday. Now, Jesus is telling us right here what will fill us in this beatitude. It's, not, it's no tricks. It's not a puzzle. It's not a riddle. A right relationship with God will fill you. Jesus is saying, I promise. You'll be blessed. You'll receive everything God has ever promised you. Peace, joy, love, purpose, 
identity, eternity in heaven, you name it. The list goes on. Make a right relationship with God your primary hunger and thirst, your primary pursuit, the primary vision for your life. And everything else can have its spot accordingly after that. Well, how do you do that? Jesus is very clearly. He, he tells us in John 14, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one has a right relationship with the Father except through me. So it's through believing in him. It's putting your faith in Jesus. Truly receiving him as the way, the truth, and the life for your life. Jesus is your way to a right relationship with God. Not your good deeds. Not just because you're a pretty good guy or a pretty good gal, pretty good Nebraska boy. It's not it. And not just because you believe there's a God. In the book of James, in the Bible, it says, well, even the demons believe there's a God. How are you any different from the demons of hell saying, I believe there's a God? Are you any different than the demons? The difference would be this. That you would have received Jesus as your Lord and Savior of your life and now apprentice under his leadership and example. And that you understand that you've been bought with a price through the cross. You belong to him. And your life is no longer your own. And he is what makes you right before God. Hunger and thirst for a right relationship with God and you'll be filled. Jesus says in John 6, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Jesus took on our sins so that we could be made right with God in 2 Corinthians. God made him who had no sin, that would be Jesus, to be sin for us. That would be him dying on the cross to take in the punishment of our sin. So that in him we might become the what? What? Righteousness of God. Good. A right relationship with God only happens through Jesus. And we thrive when we're in a right relationship with God, but so many of us settle for a half-hearted, mediocre, boring relationship with God. And we wonder why it doesn't mean anything to us. It doesn't inspire you into worship. It doesn't capture your priorities. It doesn't draw you into a life of thriving or being filled. You're like, yeah, I'd take it or leave it. Yeah, I haven't gone to church a month. Didn't feel a difference. I haven't prayed. I haven't read any scripture. Nothing. A boring, unfulfilling, mediocre try at a relationship with God. And we're just left wanting and then the lie creeps in that we're thinking, well, maybe this Jesus thing isn't it either when you've never, ever really experienced it. You've never really, truly experienced a relationship with God. This is Bob Sorge. He says this, the nature of the enemy's warfare in your life is to cause you to become discouraged, to cast away your confidence. Not that you would necessarily discard your salvation, but you would give up on your hope of God's deliverance. The enemy wants to numb you into a coping kind of Christianity, a coping kind of Christianity that has given up on seeing God's resurrection power. 
I've been there. Have you been there? Maybe you're there right now. All you got is this coping kind of Christianity just numbing you out from any hope of deliverance from God. Jesus isn't saying meet the bare minimum for faith for social gain. Like, he's a good guy. I'd do business with him. He's got that cross necklace. I think he wouldn't tell a lie. Jesus is saying, give me your whole heart and order everything else in your life around me. I'm not saying you can't have those things. Order them around me and you'll be filled. You'll be filled. I'm captured by this dream that if God would speak wonder into your soul of what it would be like for a right relationship with God in your life, and it would wake up this mass slumber of boring, unfulfilling, mediocre culture faith that doesn't do anything for us. It's all just a game of pretend. And for the Holy Spirit to ignite a flame in the hearts of the people of God again, to dream again, to hunger and thirst again, to be filled again, for sons and daughters to speak truth again. For old men and old women to dream dreams again. For young men and young women to have a vision for their life and a vision for their family again. Oh, what I would give to see that day. Awakening before my eyes. Only God's power can do it. But I pray I see it. Wake, O oh sleeper, your boring, mediocre faith. Wake up. Rise from the dead. Admit the fact that your heart is a stone. And no love and no truth has made its way to it. And Christ will shine on you. You will be filled. Hunger and thirst for a right relationship with God. What could that do for you? What could that change for you? You want your life to be different? You cannot be saved from one way of life without being brought into a different way of life. Something's got to change. It's a two-way street. Like I said, any right relationship in your world has got to say communication. It's this two-way street. You've got a role to play in this, okay? God has given you everything. And think about this. Like, imagine if in my marriage, all I ever gave back was, I told Jane this, I believe that I am married to you. Never told her I love her. Never talked to her. I believe that I'm married to you. Good night. I believe that I'm married to you. You wouldn't want anything to do with that. You wouldn't touch that with a 10-foot pole. You would say, that person is dead inside. Isn't that what we do with God? I believe that you are there. And that's where it ends. So how do we spark a hunger and a thirst again? How do we wake up from that boring, mediocre faith that doesn't do anything for you? It doesn't do anything. In fact, it gives you less hope because you're not experiencing the power of God. You're just making up this version of God and you haven't read scripture or you don't know the gospel, so you're just like, I don't even know what to believe, but I believe he's there, but then you're no different than the demons. How do we spark a hunger? How do we spark a thirst? So you could dream again. So your heart would beat again. How do we do it? Well, let's get super practical and end our time with this. 
and just pray that the, the power of God will wake you up into a life of more. Let me illustrate this way. So a while ago, I had a joke that turned into the driving force for a lot of the decisions that I'm making in my life currently. It's kind of wild. It was like eight or nine years ago, we were sitting around talking with a buddy, and we were talking about our fitness and health goals and stuff like that, and I go, listen, I ain't trying to get shredded out here, okay? I'm just trying to be the grandpa that's throwing his grandkids in the pool. That's all I want, you know? Like, are those kids running at me and me chucking them over my head, and they're crawling up me like aliens, and I'm just like, you know, that's what I want. I want that so bad. I want that. And that gave me something. It gave me a vision. Dallas Willard uses this structure as a central piece of his call for the renovation of a heart towards Jesus. He says, you've got to have vision. You've got to have intention. You've got to make decisions. And then you've got to have the means to do it. You've got to figure out how you're going to do it today. So that's pretty good. So here's what this could look like. Here's my vision. I want to be a grandpa throwing my grandkids in the pool. Okay? i got some decisions to make there i got to have intentions towards that vision, otherwise it stays a joke. And this is where a lot of your faith dies. You have a vision, but then you never make any decision about it, and then it just goes somewhere to just be a joke. It doesn't matter. i got some decisions to make. If I really want this, I've got to start moving. I've got to start exercising. If I really want this, I gotta pay attention to what I'm putting into my body for longevity's sake. I gotta make some, I gotta be on the same page as my wife about what kind of food we're gonna have in the house because Oreos ain't gonna cut it, honey. You know what I'm saying? Like, we gotta make some decisions here. We gotta make some decisions. And here's the deal on the way to that, if my weight fluctuates, that doesn't matter. That's not the goal. I'm not trying to appease a scale, I'm trying to be a grandpa chucking his grandkids. You know what I'm saying? I, okay, so I miss a day or two. That doesn't matter. I'm playing the long game, baby. Like, this, this is where I'm headed. You see that? And then I got to figure out how I'm going to do that to get that done. I need, a, I need a fitness plan. I need a workout plan. I need a gym. I need to figure out what I'm going to eat. I need to figure out how I'm going to go to bed on time and wake up at 5 a.m. so I can get it all done. You know, I got to do something. I got to do something. A vision and a dream has given me an orientation and a direction for growth, something I'm hungry for, and I want it. I want it. So I'll do things about it. Now listen to me. If I can do that for my health, why on God's green earth can I do that for my faith, for my eternal soul? If we can do that about our retirement, if we can do that about our investments and the cars that we want to buy, why on God's green earth can't we have a vision for what our souls would do to hunger and thirst for the living God? I'm very convicted of that. This was like this last week for me. This is where this is coming from. Is not my soul's health more worth more than my body's health? What is it if I gain the whole world and lose my soul? Well, it's just a season. Yeah, you can lose your marriage in a season. You can lose your faith in a season. You can lose so much in a season. I'll never forget Robert Lewis. He's the author of The Quest for Authentic Manhood. He said this, a man without a plan or without a vision is the most destructive force on the planet. Think about that. Easily could be said for a woman as well. Just bouncing around, putting holes in the wall of life, no direction, no intention. Just damage and collateral damage. A wake of people behind him or her. 
So what could this look like for my relationship with Jesus? Now listen, I'm gonna use me as an example, but this is not about me. I'm hoping that this example gives you what you need so you can visualize a vision and a dream for your face so that you can wake up, oh sleeper. That's what I'm talking about. This isn't for me. So let's say my vision for my faith is I wanna be a grandfather whose grandkids seek me out for prayer. That's pretty good that they go, I gotta go to grandpa for this one. And they're willing to drive across state lines to come sit with me. Now, I'm not their Jesus. I'm not their savior, but they know, they know in their heart that I will drop everything to be next to them to come to the feet of Jesus and pray with them. That's pretty good. That's beautiful. What decisions do I need to make to get there? Well, I ain't helping my grandkids pray if I'm not praying right now. And I'm not growing in my prayer life right now. I'm not helping my grandkids any if I don't have a storehouse of the word of God in my heart so that I could speak truth against the lies that they're believing in their world. I'm not helping my grandkids any if I haven't walked with Jesus through challenge and difficulty and kept faith while doing it. I'm not helping my grandkids any if I'm not helping my kids right now and leading them right now and loving my wife right now. I'll never get to see that day if I'm not doing that kind of stuff. How am I going to get that done? Well, i got to be an active part of the body of believers that God has placed me in, my church. I've got to have the word of God in my heart. Nobody's going to do it for me. My wife can't do it for me. Husbands, your wife can't do it for you. You've got to know. Wives, your husband can't do it for you. I've got to have intentional time in prayer that I even know how to talk to God because I've had a conversation with him going for years into my 70s. And then my grandkids come to me and I go, oh, I know him. Why don't we talk to him? And I've got to bring my family beside me in it right now. And personally, I have to listen to music. That's just a part of it for me. I've found this pattern in my life. Like if I don't listen to music, my heart is just becomes this ugly, crusty shell And music is the only thing that will break that shell. Not words, not more trying, anything like that. Like words are the the language of thought and music is the language of emotion. I think that's why it's so powerful that we sing songs together. None of us are doing it because we like the sound of each other's voices. Can we just agree on that? (laughs) Like it's not that great, okay? We're not all on the worship team. The reason we do it is because it's the language of emotion and you let God into a different space of your being. You're a complicated person, you understand? That's why we do that. And that's just personal to me. So what is it for you? What is it for you? What's your vision? What decisions do you have to make? What are your daily motions and rhythms that you gotta take to get there? You gotta hunger, you gotta thirst, you gotta want it. You gotta want it. God shows up where he's wanted. I don't know what it looks like for you. Maybe it's your obituary. Maybe it's what people say about you at your funeral and that'll help you get a vision for your life. Will they say, will they do this? Will they go, man, that guy could drink and he loved fish. Man, he, loved, he would do anything to be with fish. Will they go, oh man, that, that woman, she would Netflix so hard. She knew so many episodes. She was so good at episodes and knowing them. Or are they gonna go, when I was with that man, he made me feel like God was on my side. Are they going to go, when I was with that woman, I never knew what it meant to be a prayer warrior until I met that woman. I never knew it. What are they going to say about you? 
I don't know. You got some decisions to make. Maybe for you, it's stepping into being a part of what God's doing in the church around you. And you need some experiences. You got all the head knowledge. You've been in church a thousand times in your life. You know all the stories, all that kind of stuff, but you've never experienced being the hands and feet of Jesus in helping somebody in need. You've never humbled yourself to say, I will open that door for whoever walks in because I'm not that important that I can't wake up 10 minutes earlier to greet people into a faith family. Whatever it is. Maybe you need some experiences. Maybe for you, it's finally taking the step of humility and obedience to walk into the waters of baptism. You'll say, Jesus, my savior. My, uh, yep, uh-huh, but I'm not doing that. I'd follow him anywhere besides there. That's embarrassing, whatever. I don't know what it is. People are getting baptized at the 1130 service. You can join them. Maybe for you, maybe for you, it's finally putting a stop to the lame excuses that you have in your life of knowing the word of God and knowing the gospel for yourself. I'm just not a reader, man. Well, you didn't say that when you research your investments, your cars that you're going to buy, your retirement, and watch TikTok subtitles for an hour. I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it. I'm the one who says he's not a reader. I'm talking to myself here. Maybe for you, it's a move into an intentional prayer time, and you're going to set a timer, boy, and you're just going to sit down, and you're going to grunt it out. You know, it's like three minutes. You're just like, oh. I don't know what it is for you. I don't know. What's it going to look like for you on a daily basis? Bible reading and listening has to be an absolute essential here. Because, because it's impossible to be spiritually filled while having a low view or priority of the Word of God, the Bible. It's impossible. Listen, I'm thinking about this. I'm like, I ain't taking any advice, spiritual advice, from a man or woman who doesn't have a high view or a high priority of the Word of God. I'll listen to you all day long, but I'm not taking your advice. I hope you'd say the same. Get to know what's important to you in connecting with God. Maybe for you it's walks outside. It's like, man, when I can just, even if it's cold outside, I just breathe and get some space. That's a place where I meet God and I just pound out those miles on that walking trail and I just pray and I think through things, whatever it is. If that's essential for you, put it in your plan. Get it done. Maybe for you it is listening and you're not a reader and you're like, I can sit, for me, I can sit and listen to an audio book for two hours. You know what I mean? And that's okay. Maybe that is for you. Maybe it's sitting with a close friend and you need accountability and you need that. Maybe you need consistent prayer moments and timers and all that kind of stuff. Maybe you need podcasts of theology and sermons. I don't know what it is for you, but find it out. Don't just sit here in the mediocre. It doesn't do anything for you. Get it done. Get it done. And I'm not, I'm not pushing you because I think lowly of you. I'm pushing you because I want you to be filled I want you to be filled. I want to be filled. I don't want to just live a life of cheap junk, hoping that I'll be filled someday. Hunger and thirst for a thriving relationship with God, and you'll be filled. Have a vision for your faith. What do you want? What do you want? Make some decisions. What is it going to take? And start today. Grace starts now. Grace starts now. No regret. You're not sitting here going, man, I should have done this a long time ago. I know I'm a terrible person. That's not the gospel. The gospel is saying you start here in the grace of God and the mercy of his hands right now. Right now. Jesus told a story about a prodigal son. So in short, 
Jesus says it's like this. This is how it happens. It's like this. That's why he told parables as he was trying to say, here's how I could explain this to you, what the kingdom of God is like. A son comes to his dad and says, I want my inheritance. I'm leaving. Essentially saying, I wish you were dead, dad. I want nothing to do with you. And the dad in love, woe, goes, here it is. And so the son goes out into the world and drinks deep from what the world says it will satisfy, what will fill him, drinking, sex, partying, gambling, wild living, whatever. Uh-oh, and then it gets to a point of trouble. And then he gets into a situation where the only way that he can survive is feeding pigs, and he's not getting paid very well because then he starts, starts wanting to eat the pig food. What drove him back to the father's home? Do you remember? What drove him? hunger in his gut for his father. Starvation, wanting to be filled, that's what drove him home. Maybe that's what's driving you home. So he goes back to his dad and anybody in their right mind would say, I have got to like make things right. I got to I got to be good before I go there. I got to make sure that like I pay him back. I don't like all this kind of stuff. And he's like, well, at least his employees have meals. I'll have a meal if I show up. It'll be fine. I'll go there. And so he's walking back and then he comes up over a hill in my mind and, and the father sees him. And in this moment, the father starts running to him and he grabs him and he hugs him. Was it because he was good enough? Was it because he did everything right? No, it's because he's his son. And he grabs him and he says, uh, and his son's like, I, I'm sorry, I'll make everything right. He goes, shut up, I'm gonna throw you a party. I've been praying for this day for years. I'm so excited that you're home. And he's restored to a right relationship with God. Not because he did everything right, not because he had it perfect, but because he came home to the Father. Let your hunger drive you home to the Father so that you can be filled. That's what I'm saying. This is First Peter. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for what? Righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd, the overseer of your soul. Now dream dreams for your life again. Envision vision for your family and your kids again. And rest in the grace coming home to the Father because of the love and sacrifice of Jesus that you've returned into the hands of the overseer of your soul. As we take communion, I want you to remember that Jesus promised you that he's the bread of life and you'll never hunger again. And he is living water that you'll never thirst again. Amen. So I don't have much to say because I feel like I've said quite a bit. But I need you, like, I'm in meetings with people recently that are, like, trying to dig their way out of sin or in a tough part of life or whatever, but my, just my thing that I've been saying lately is grace has got to start somewhere. Grace has got to start somewhere. So let it start today. Don't live in the regret. The enemy wins if all you, all you do is leave this room hanging your head for what you haven't done. So it's not the prodigal son story. It's coming home to the Father and being filled with joy being filled with peace. That's what I'm praying. That's what I'm praying over you. What is your vision? What do you want? What are the decisions that you need to make? What intentions do you have towards that? 
And how are you going to get it done every single day? For the sake of your kids, for the sake of your marriage, for the sake of your grandkids, for the sake of your neighbors. And we're all in it together. Don't forget it. I'm in this with you. This is this week that God's showing me this kind of stuff. I'm in this with you. And remember to smile. It's good news. It's good news the gospel is. It's good news that the Father welcomes us home. Thanks for listening to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. Please join us for one of our worship services at 9, 10, 15, or 11.30 a.m. in Grand Island and at 10, 15 a.m. in Broken Bow on Facebook Live and at thirdcityc.online.church each Sunday. For more information about Third City Christian Church, send email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. Call us at 308-384-5038 or visit us online at thirdcityc.org.